Good morning. Happy Father's Day to all you dads. You know, today's an interesting Sunday because we have three Sundays in the year that we know we can count on attendance being a little bit lower. One of those is Memorial Day weekend, first weekend of summer, people out of town. The other one of those is July 4th weekend because people are normally on vacation doing a lot of stuff out there in their lives. And then the third day is Father's Day. Because dads like to get up and go fishing or sleep in or golf course or lake or something else other than coming to church. But you know what the, one of the highest attended days of the year is? That's right. You know, because mama wants to go to church. You know, mama wants to go to church. We're going to church. But dads, thank you for being here today. This is uh, my first Father's Day uh, since uh, my dad died. He died back in March. And I had a great last couple of years with him. We spent a whole lot of time together. Uh, he leaves a great legacy through me and my family. So let's uh, start with praying uh, for our dads and thanking God for them. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for uh, our earthly fathers and those men who are um, act like our earthly fathers, for the father figures in our lives. And God, for those of us who aren't able to call our dads today, may we uh, just smile as you remember uh, the time that we got to spend with them. And God, for those that maybe never felt the love of an earthly father, may they feel your love and feel your acceptance and feel that you, the ultimate father, loves them. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today we're in the third week of a series called The Teacher. And we're looking at what it means that we call Jesus Christ our teacher. Two-thirds of the time that he's addressed directly in the New Testament, he's called the teacher. And we found out in the first few weeks of this series that he's a teacher we can trust in the words that he says. And also he's a teacher who believes in us. Believes in us so much, Jesus believes that we can have an impact on the world like he did. He believes we can be world changers. If you missed any of those first two weeks, please go on our website, download the podcast and have a listen to the first two weeks of the teacher. Well, as I started out talking about my dad, if you're someone who's lost your dad, I can relate to that. I can relate to what it's like not to have your dad around anymore. I can also relate if if you're a person who lived a lot of your life away from God and and ran from God and, and you know what it's like, so do I. And we could have conversations about that. If you grew up in a single parent household, I could relate to you and we could have conversations. I know what it feels like to live that way. If you've made some mistakes in the past that you would really like to just forget and never remember again, I can relate to that. But if you've had issues with substance addiction or abuse, I I really can't relate to that. If you're in a marriage that's been, been dealing with infidelity or lack of trust or it's been broken somehow and you've gone through divorce... That's not something I can relate to. See, I'm a teacher and there's some things I can relate to really well that you might be going through. And there's some things I can't. So I'm not a perfect teacher. It's really helpful when we can have conversation with people 
get to know people who have dealt with the same things we have. And I know people who've had big time marriage issues. And then when we meet other people that, that are going through maybe the same thing, I try to connect them up because it really helps when you're around people that have gone through some of the same things that you've gone through. I mean, isn't that who you want to get advice from? You can say, how did you deal with that? How did you break that addiction? Let's talk about it. Or how, how did you deal with going through a divorce? Let's talk about it. If that's happened to you, you can relate to other people who are going through the same thing. This past week, I had an awesome opportunity to be with nine other pastors, uh, all but one of whom is, is several years ahead of me in ministry, like 10 to 15 years ahead. And four of them are at like ginormous churches. Like they've built churches, 10,000, 15,000 people plus that they're impacting. And so you can bet I'm sitting with a notepad saying, Hey, how did you do this? How did you do that? And it really gave me comfort to sit with a couple of those men who are are near the end of, of their ministry and getting ready to hand the baton off to somebody else. And it really helped me to to talk to them because they could relate to what I'm going through. They can relate to what it's like to be portable, getting ready to have a building and getting ready, what I believe to be experience, enormous growth. They can relate to what it's like to not have enough staff. They can relate to what it's like to go through what I'm going through. It's really helpful to be with people and to talk to people who can relate to where you are. Well, nobody's perfect and nobody can relate to everybody else in a perfect way. Not a pastor, not a teacher, not anybody except for Jesus. Jesus is a teacher who can relate to everything that we're going through. To every point of temptation, of mistake, of hurt, of anger, of betrayal, all of that, Jesus can relate So no matter where you are today, where your emotions are, what you came in here feeling, I want you to understand that Jesus Christ is a teacher who understands where you are. And he's dealt with the same temptations. Now you might be thinking, wait a minute, how could Jesus Christ, the savior of all mankind, God in the flesh on earth, have dealt with some of the things I've dealt with? How could he have the same temptations? It seems kind of disrespectful, as grandma would say, that's sacrilegious. You, you, Jesus having the same temptations to do what I have temptations to do? Well, that's what the Bible says. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. If you don't have one, raise your hand. The ushers will give you one. You can keep it. You can borrow it uh, and leave it in the back on the way out. You can just follow along on the screen if you'd like to do that as I read from several scriptures in the Bible. So Jesus can relate to our temptations. And it says so in the book of Hebrews chapter four, talking about Jesus. Here's what it says. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses for he faced all of the same temptations we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So according to that, Jesus can relate to all of our temptations. 
And you might be thinking, wait a minute. Now, Jesus didn't have the internet. You know, Jesus didn't have air travel where he's on the other side of the country all by himself. How can he relate to my temptations? And that's where the problem comes in of what religious people through the ages have done to our Savior. Yes, he's fully God. Yes, he's a miracle worker. Yes, he came to heal and save the lost. Yes, he came out of heaven to earth. He came through a virgin birth. He, he performed miracles. He was a charismatic individual that drew people to him. Yes, to all those things, but he's not untouchable. He's not unreachable. He's not unrelatable because he was also 100% a man just like we are. And sometimes theologians, sometimes religious leaders mask the real Jesus, the real manly part of Jesus where, you know, Jesus would, Jesus would have sweat when it was sunny. Jesus would have had BO. Jesus would have gone to the bathroom. I mean, people, religious leaders try to mask all of that and say, well, Jesus is the savior that's out there and untouchable. He's not. He's real. He's a real person. He really walked on the earth. And he can really relate to us. In fact, he knows us better than we know ourselves. When I was younger, when I was living at home, my mom could read my mind sometimes. I I don't know how she did it. And I remember this one particular night. I said I was going here. I had no intentions on going there to that friend's house. Other friend was having a party and his parents were out of town. So we're going to his house. We're going to have some fun. I wasn't there 10 minutes, 10 minutes. It's after midnight thinking mom is asleep at home. She'll never know. And I'll sneak back over to my other friend's house, drive home. And you know, everything's going to be okay. And here I am at this party. I'm not supposed to be at doing things. I'm not supposed to do. My mom opens the door. doesn't even knock in her house coat. I was like, my social life's done, finished. Anybody that wanted to be my friend, it's over because the party like busted up after that. And I can remember driving home and in my mind thinking, how did she know? I didn't tell her. Nobody else told her. Somehow she knew and she figured it out. There were many times growing up. I can remember going, my mom has superpowers or something. How did she find this out? Then I had kids. You know, kids are just little us's. And so it's really easy to figure out what they're thinking. When our girls were real little, our youngest, Abby, she, she would say she brushed her teeth and she really did. And I knew because I'd gone in and felt the toothbrush, you know, and it wasn't wet. And I would say, Abby, did you brush your teeth? Uh-huh. And I would feel her head and I would go, honey, your head's warm. You, you didn't. Oh, okay, I'll go brush my teeth, you know. I already do, and I know I'm lying to her to get her to tell the truth, which is kind of a real weird irony, but she was like, she thought, she thought I could, you know, feel her head, and if it's a little warm, then she's not telling the truth, and that only worked up to like, you know, 14 or something like, no, not that old, but it only worked for a while, it didn't work, and they figured out, hey, dad's just messing with us. You probably had parents that could say, you look into my eyes, boy, because I can tell you're not telling me the truth. They know us. We know you kids. 
Jesus knows us better than we know ourselves. Why? Because he's been through everything that we've been through. And if you don't believe that, listen to this long section of scripture I'm going to read that comes from the book of Matthew chapter 4, right after Jesus was baptized, before he started his ministry, before he started to call people to follow him, here's what happened. Right after his baptism, it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came to him and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No. The scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, If you're the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you aren't, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain. And showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away and the angels came and took care of Jesus. That's why Jesus can relate to us. Picture the scene. He's weak. He's hungry. He hasn't eaten for 40 days and 40 nights. And then the great tempter comes and starts to tempt him. So can Jesus relate to us when we're tired, when we're overworked, when we're the most likely to make a stupid decision morally? When we're just mentally exhausted, physically exhausted, that's when people make the biggest boneheaded moral decisions of their lives is when they're worn out, tired, hungry, emotionally drained, physically drained. Can Jesus understand that? Yes. So when I'm tired, when I'm worn out, when I'm hungry and hurting, Jesus understands that. He gets it. And you may think, well, I, you know, I've never been tempted by uh, turning uh, stones to uh, bread. I don't get that. I've never been tempted to, you know, throw myself down off of a tall building. And, but when Jesus was tempted by Satan, it wasn't that he was tempted to turn stones into bread. He could have done that without Satan's urging. He, he was a miracle worker. He could snap his fingers. He, he could say, I want to feel full. Snap his fingers and he would feel full. But what he was tempted by was to get comfort somewhere else other than his heavenly father. What he was tempted by was to find approval somewhere else other than his heavenly father. What he was tempted by was to get security. Leap down and you'll be okay because God's not going to let you be hurt. And he says, no, 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 that's not how it works. I don't test God and my security is in him completely. And I don't have to test him to prove it. Because I'm secure in the hands of my heavenly father. When Satan said, well, 
you can rule over the world. And Jesus says, no, it's not how it works. I don't need to have power to feel like life is better. I don't need that because all the power I need comes from God. And those issues allow Jesus to relate to us because every temptation you have, everyone, whatever it is right now that you are tempted by right now, you've been tempted by in the last few days, or any time in life can be traced back to one of these areas where Jesus was also tempted. The temptation for approval and comfort and security and power. All of that. And whether your temptation is to to betray a relationship, to cheat, to lie, to spend money that you don't have, whatever it is, can all be traced back to one of these things by simply asking the question, why? Why do I act this way? Well, because of this. Well, why do I act that way? Because of that. And if you go back far enough, you're going to find that it's one of those things that Jesus dealt with. No, Jesus didn't deal with the temptation to look at things he shouldn't on the internet because he didn't have the internet. So he didn't deal with that. But did he deal with security issues and being tempted to find his security in something else other than God? Absolutely. Several years ago, if you remember, Toyota had this issue with the accelerator pedal sticking on some of their cars. Y'all remember that? And they first said, it's the floor mat. It's because the way the floor mat's designed, you push the accelerator down, it catches the accelerator, it gets stuck, and people are having crashes because of it. So they started replacing floor mats, but it didn't stop. So what's the problem? They started asking why. Well, why does the floor mat consistently catch the side of the accelerator? Well, it's because the firewall design and some of the models was just pushed out a little bit, which pushed the carpet out, which put it over near the accelerator. So when a person pushed it down, the floor mat went over it and it could make it stick down if if you weren't really careful. Well, why is the firewall redesigned? Well, because we needed to cut costs. And so we cut costs by redesigning the firewall, took a little less material and it, it, it just cut our costs. Well, why, why did we do that? With the firewall. Well, because we told our managers, you better cut costs if you want to save your job. So they cut the costs. Well, why, why were they under that much pressure? Because we want to be more profitable. So why did the accelerator stick on some cars? Not because of the floor mat. They stuck because why? Because they wanted to make more profit. That's why the accelerator sucks. If you just keep asking the questions, why am I angry all the time? Well, you haven't been around my wife and kids. I wonder why I'm not, why I'm angry all the time. Well, why are you angry with them? Well, if you've been around where I work, you would understand. Well, why does that make you angry? Well, if you would just look at the state of things in the world, you would understand why I'm angry. Because I want to be in control. When I'm in control, I'm not angry. When I lose control, I get angry. So if you take care of the des- your desire to be in control... Guess what? You won't be angry anymore. What if you allowed God to have the control? It might fix your anger. Maybe you're tempted not to be generous. Every time we talk about generosity, you just grab a hold of your wallet just a little tighter. It's my money. Stop asking for it. Stop telling me to give it. Stop telling me to be generous with it. Use creative language to make me feel like you're not asking for it, but you really are. Stop it. Why? Why? Because it's my money and I want to do what I want to do with it. 
Why? Because the more money I have, the more secure I feel. Well, why? Because I want to have enough saved up in case something bad happens. Oh, so it's a security issue. Well, Jesus knows what that's like. To be tempted with finding your security somewhere else other than God. Maybe you're tempted to continually give yourself away, especially you single people. You give yourself away sexually over and over again. Why do you do that? Well, I don't plan to do that. It's just because I'm really bad at relationships. Well, why? Well, because every guy or girl that I find, they're losers. They're bums. They mistreat me. They just use me and they leave me. Why? Because I need somebody with me. That's why. Well, why? Because I, I have this need to, be a, to have approval. Well, Jesus can relate to that. He can relate to your need to find approval. So you don't have to be somebody you're not. You don't have to lie and make somebody think you're something you're not. You don't have to make really bad decisions morally. Just go to Jesus because he understands. He knows what it's like. What if all of your approval, your need for that, that we all have, came from him? Well, then you may not make those decisions down the line that you end up regretting. What if you're tempted constantly to overeat and gain weight and your weight goes up and your weight goes down? Why is that? Well, because I like pizza and ice cream and hamburgers. Why do you like that? Well, because when I eat them, it's just, I just feel better. It just puts me in a better mood. Why? Well, to be honest, I've never been comfortable with my body. And I've had this emptiness inside. And so I fill it up with eating and drinking things that bring me comfort. So Jesus can relate to trying to find our comfort somewhere other than God. You worry all the time? Why? Well, have you seen the world lately? That's why I worry all the time. Why? And you just see how it goes on and on as you continue to ask the question, why am I like this? So if you want to fix any, any issue, keep asking the question why, and eventually you're going to end up in one of the same areas Jesus dealt with, approval, comfort, security, and power. And you're going to be able to have a teacher who can relate to anything that you're dealing with. He's not a teacher that's untouchable. He's not a teacher that's unrelatable. He gets you more than you think. And he gets you more than you get yourself. So if we can get to the source of the problem, we're going to have a way out of the temptations that we deal with. Back in 2010, when BP had an oil rig blow up and all that oil was gushing into the Gulf of Mexico, tens of thousands of gallons a day just gushing into the ocean and then all the Gulf coastline just got covered in this reddish, brownish, nasty sludge that killed animals and, and killed tourism and made things look nasty. What if they would have just said, hey, you know what we need to do to fix this? We need to clean up the coastline. And they just started cleaning. Well, they would still be there cleaning today because if they don't take care of the source, it's going to continue to boil over. It's going to continue to keep going on and on. 
And so Jesus comes along as our teacher. And what he desires for us to do is to get right to the heart of the matter and deal with that. Don't deal with your anger. Deal with your issue to be in control. Don't deal with your bad decisions. Deal with your, the issue of where do I find my security? And if you deal with that, then all the stuff down the line is going to be taken care of. You might think it's the floor mat, but it's really just the desire to cut costs. And if you deal with it back here, then you don't have the problem down the road. And Jesus relates to that. If, if you're not yet a follower of Christ, if you're just checking out church, just checking out God, and you haven't taken that step across the line and said, I'm ready to follow Christ. I want to share with you one of the things that is one of the greatest benefits. I mean, there's infinite benefits to being a follower of Christ. But here's one of the things that you're really missing out on. Because every human being is faced with, do I go this way or do I go that way? I'm tempted to go this way and I, I kind of feel it's not the right way to go. But boy, it, it's more fun. It feels better. I think I'll like it more. And then I'm tempted to go this way, which is really a better life. You just don't see it and you don't know it. We all deal with that, whether you follow Christ or not. But people who follow Christ have a guarantee that when we're faced with those temptations, those things where we don't know which way we're going to turn, we have a guarantee that we get a way out. That's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. It says, The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, He will show you a way out so you can endure. Now, the temptation, it doesn't matter what the temptation is. We, we all have different ones. But this guarantees us who follow Christ a way out. If you're taking notes, write this down. Jesus is my. And then write these words down. He's my approval. God accepts me as much in my failure as he does in my success. He accepts me as much when I fail as when I succeed. Jesus is my comfort, so I don't have to look elsewhere for comfort. He's my security, so I don't have to try to be in control. He's my power, so I don't have to produce results to win his love. I deal with that all the time. I I struggle with... Feeling like God must be more pleased with me when things go well and he's not as pleased with me when things don't. But the reality is he loves me as his child if none of you come back to church next week. Even if I feel like a failure, even if I do fail, I still have his love and I don't have to work to win it. So Jesus is my power. I can get out of temptation without giving in because he's already giving me, given me everything that I need. He's given me the comfort and the security and the acceptance and the power that I need. The book of Second Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 3, says this. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself... By means of his marvelous glory and excellence. So when temptation comes your way in the next hour, it probably will. Remember, Jesus can relate to that. And remember to ask the question, 
Why am I doing this? And then why am I doing this? Well, why am I doing this? And when you go down the line, you're going to find a place in your life that's deficient in all the things that God wants to do for you. Jesus is a teacher that can relate to us in our deepest pain, in our deepest mistakes, and in our greatest need. He can relate on a one-to-one level. Let's pray. God, thank you for revealing to us a teacher that relates to us, that knows what it's like to be tempted to find security and comfort, power and control and acceptance somewhere else. God, I pray for the people here who are at the doorstep of a really bad decision that you would let them use today's message to help them know that you understand right where they are. Help them to open up their eyes and see the way out. And help us all to remember that as we're faced with the temptations that this world brings to us. And I pray this in our teacher, Jesus' name. Amen.